You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McRae. Hey everybody, happy holidays. Welcome to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives Holiday 2022 Podcast. That's right. I'm here with the awesome Dan Clink. Thank you very much. And we're going to talk about um, a sort of forgotten Christmas special. Well, it wasn't even a special. It was a, an episode. It was a Batman episode, part of the Batman Superman Hour that premiered during the 1968-69 season. And it's kind of a, a unicorn or an anomaly because right. Saturday morning studios were not allowed to do any holiday or themed episodes because they knew that those episodes would not repeat well. Yeah, they didn't, they, they didn't have legs. They wouldn't right. have legs moving forward. Every other episode they did, they could show it in March. They could show it in September. Didn't right. matter. Batman on a new adventure. Anyone on a new adventure, any show you saw, a holiday special. I mean, if that dropped in, if it re-ran in June, who's going to care? Right. Exactly. So the theory is, is that, you know, Fred Silverman waited several years to finally be able to do his Batman cartoon. He actually wanted to do a Batman animated series in 1966, but the characters' rights were not available because there was a the live-action Batman series that was running over on ABC uh, that featured uh, the actors Burt Ward playing Robin and Adam West. Adam West. Batman. Right. So the rights were tied up. And when the show got canceled, when the live-action Batman got canceled, all of a sudden, the animated rights became available. And Fred Silverman uh, decided, you know, he was going to do the Batman-Superman Hour. And one of the episodes that came out was called The Cool, Cruel Christmas Caper that right. uh, featured a Christmas-themed episode. And uh, Mr. Freeze, of course, being the villain. Yeah, right, Mr. Mister Make Snow Happen. Yes, yes. Uh, the episode was written by DC scribe Bob Haney, who was the co-creator of the Teen Titans. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty cool episode. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Freeze disguises himself as Santa Claus during the Christmas parade and uses the disguise <laughs> to steal all types of fancy items. So there is a, a Christmas tree ceremony, and he steals the star from the Christmas tree that's, you know, worth lots of money and begs the question, like, why was that item on top of a Christmas tree anyway? Right. <laughs> Not only is the diamond star in Freeze's cold clutches, but now he has the golden tree as well. And then he just helps himself to other items. They they go to uh, Stacy's department store. And uh, so Stacy is code for Macy's. And Stacy's yeah. department store shows up in a lot of cartoons because no one wanted to, you know, say that this was the actual Macy's store in animated form. And no one bothered to... Go to Macy's and say, "Hey, can we use your store in our cartoon?" So Stacy's sort of became the default. Well, and that and it, it rolls off the tongue tongue better than Jimbles. 
Right, right, or gambles. As opposed to, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is a takeoff of Gimbel's department store, which I actually worked in. Right. But Gimbel's is only famous because of Macy's. You know, like Gimbel's was always the second banana behind Macy's department store. Uh, Gimbel's gets mentioned a lot in the classic movie, the Miracle on 34th Street. And, uh, right. so that's how, that's the only reason why people even know what Gimbel's is. Or was. Or was in terms of competition with Macy's. But it's, right. it's a pretty interesting episode. Lots of action, lots of fighting, lots of mentioning of, you know, the kids are going to have a terrible Christmas because of all the things that Mr. Freeze is doing. It's not a particularly long episode. It, it it sort of gets the job done. And like I said, it's just one of those anomalies because Fred Silverman was just crazy about his Batman animated series yep. that he let filmation producers, Lou Scheinman, Norm Prescott, and the director, Hal Sutherland, create this, this Christmas episode. And uh, it's very unusual. But also, I think it's pretty cool, too, that, you know, they were able to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not to say there weren't holiday specials featuring your Saturday morning favorites. A lot of those were they were primetime. Uh, right. I remember Yogi Bear had one. Right. Yogi's First Christmas. Yogi's First Christmas. You know, a lot of times they would be hour-long specials mm-hmm. that would, they, they would, you know, run into the ground every holiday. Right, right. Uh, but now, this episode, if I'm not mistaken, the the way it's structured, the execution of it, it was something that, though obviously a Christmas episode, could be aired outside of Christmas programming season and still have value. Right, because even though the story is taking place during Christmas time, it's not necessarily looked up, looked at as a Christmas special. It just right. happens to be taking place during Christmas. Right. Bob Haney wrote a really great script that sort of balanced the normal action that Batman and Robin will get into with a villain versus here are the things that's going on during Christmas. You know, it, Mr. Freeze was basically stealing Christmas type items, but the emphasis on the episode wasn't necessarily celebrating the Christmas holiday. Although it did have like a happy ending right. where everyone is going to have a great Christmas. But again, Bob Haney did a really great job balancing normal Batman and Robin action, kick butt, beat up the villain. And, uh, oh yeah, let's just happen to mention that it, it is Christmas time. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so, I mean, that's a really excellent point. And you can find this episode on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. You, you sent yes. me a link. Yes, it's on yeah. YouTube. It's not free on YouTube, though, so uh, oh. you, you might have to, uh, you know, pay a little bit of uh, a dollars to watch. The other cool thing I wanted to note, and it's something I forgot to mention to you earlier, Dan, was that the Blu-ray version of this Batman animated series that was produced by Filmation back in 1968 will be available on Blu-ray this coming February 2023. And so uh, I will definitely be getting a copy. I probably will be getting a copy from our good friend, Ned Hastings, who is also a fan of uh, this Batman series. He said it was the first Batman cartoon that he watched as a kid, and he said he fell in love with it. It's a really well-written series. Uh, So if you haven't checked it out and you want to make a small investment to watch on YouTube, because there's no way you're going to download this thing for free, 
I, I, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, there are 17 episodes total and, uh, it's a really great series. And I'm just really happy that there is this time capsule of a Batman Christmas on Saturday morning that is sort of this anomaly and this unicorn that, uh, actually happened. Hey, you hear that everybody this February? Pick up the filmation Batman on Blu-ray and, uh, Ned, Ned will bring the popcorn. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Do you like podcasts? Then you're going to hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. You know what's amazing? Walking into your favorite bar or coffee shop and running into an author you absolutely love. Or bumping into an author you've never heard of before, but find your new favorite book. That's what we do on Drinking With Authors. You get to hear all the stories of what made the author's stories great and how they got there on their journey. So grab a drink and join us on Drinking With Authors. Christmas Toy Frenzies. Most properties we talk about on the show had a toy line. Some of them didn't. You may have clawed and kicked and screamed to get your hands on a Furby. (laughs) Uh, Hell, some of you may uh, remember uh, not getting that easy bake oven in 1963 because everyone was sold out. And who can forget Star Wars toys? We're going to talk about some that Mark and I were personally attached to going through the 80s. Give you some 90s there. Starting with, and who can forget this, people, if you if you weren't there, YouTube it. It was a riot. Cabbage Patch Dolls. Good parents for Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Each doll is different, and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them, like your very own. You're a pal. You're the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. You can give them all your love. Cabbage Patch Kids are each sold separately. Each doll comes with a pretend birth certificate and adoption papers from Coleco. Oh my gosh, the Cabbage Patch Dolls. Yeah, so first of all, when the Cabbage Patch Dolls came out, I was not a parent. And I saw the report on the 6 o'clock news because I didn't have cable, so no 24-hour news, no CNN. And they just had these parents going crazy on TV over these Cabbage Patch dolls. And I just remember laughing to myself. I'm like, well, whenever I become a parent, I will be damned if I act like these crazy parents are acting on television. And lo and behold, I become a parent and (laughs) Power Rangers come out. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. Jomar was turning seven years old and I could not find a Power Rangers action figure to save my life. And I had to call Toys R Us yeah. and find out when a shipment of Power Ranger toys were coming. I found out where the shipment was coming. I left work and went over there and I was standing in line with a bunch of other parents who also were looking for Power Rangers toys. And we all had this look on our faces like we can't believe that we're doing this for a toy or doing this for our kids so that our kids can get a toy. So the lesson here is never say never. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the news as a child. There was a, it was a, uh, 
Welcome to another holiday shopping season. When the doors opened at this Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania store, the pushing and shoving began. One woman was knocked to the floor and suffered a broken leg. Screaming, hollering, boomers, all crammed together, pulling each other's hair, spitting and throwing blows. This scene has been repeated in hundreds of stores across the country that advertise the Cabbage Patch Kids. The store manager was standing on the desk at the register. This poor guy was taking the Cabbage Patch dolls they had. At some point, he just started grabbing them and throwing them into the mob. <laughs> and the mob Ooh. was going, it was, it was like, it was like, uh, you know, throwing, throwing, uh, your buddy into a mob of zombies so you could escape. Oh my gosh. Nobody paid for the dolls. There was, there, there were no, they'd closed the registers. They were done for the night. And whoever grabbed one, whoever, whoever with, with a fistful of hair in one hand and a Cabbage Patch in the other, and you could make it out the exit, it was yours. Right. Whatever. It was nuts. It was pure wow. pandemonium. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, nothing for nothing. They're manufacturing about 200000 a week in Asia and chartering planes to get them to stores in the United States. But demand exceeds supply, and there is only one reason. Um, I, I like them. You know, I always thought the carriage bag stalls were so ugly that they were cute. You know, <laughs> right, right. But hey, I wasn't in the demographic, so obviously, if I was running a toy company and said no to Cabbage Patch dolls, that would have been the wrong decision. Most buyers can't express why this doll is so popular this year, and others can't explain why they want to buy it, but they do want it. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't like their faces, but I want one. Yeah, so there were some other toys that drove people crazy too, right? Oh, okay. So our, our good friend, Ned Hastings, true, true ally and best Saturdays believer. This today was mentioning to Mark, uh, Hey, you remember Transformers? Transformers was also one of those toys that was sort of hard to find once the toy became very super popular. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think there's a timeline, correct? There is, there is. And you had mentioned that Ned had mentioned Transformers. And I remember having a, a very healthy Transformers Christmas in 1984. Because I hadn't realized there was a frenzy. Right. May of that year, Transformers dropped in the toy store. Right. September of that year, the show premiered. In, in syndication. Yeah, right. As well as the, the comic book. Yep. Mark and I just went through a great article from the Washington Post dated November 20th, 1984, saying, hey... Parents, if you haven't found one of these yet, then you better get your kids prepared for disappointment Christmas morning. I don't remember the frenzy. Mm. My older brother would leave every summer to go stay with his father, and he always come back with something interesting. And that summer, that August, he returned with, uh, it looked like it was a die-cast metal white sports car and an ambulance, and they transformed into robots. And it was like, ooh, look at that. Wow, that's cool. That's it's like, oh, cool. yeah, they're called Transformers. Yeah. They're neat. It's like, well, I want one. Uh, fast forward Christmas morning, my brother and I open up Megatron. We each got a Megatron, which would have been one of the wow. hottest tickets. He's the bad guy. He's, aside from Optimus Prime, oh, maybe Bumblebee, right. he was the one to find. Uh, fun, fun story about Megatron. Right. The only toy listed by the FAA as unpermissible on a plane. You cannot bring a Generation 1 Megatron on a plane because it's a Walther P-38 handgun. And it is a perfect replica before they had to paint 
the guns so a cop wouldn't shoot you before they had to pull away from toy guns looking you know putting an orange cap in the tip of it uh yeah and we each got one so uh yeah i wasn't aware there was a frenzy and ha ha everyone wow that is something that is really something another one that ned mentioned was tickle me elmo tickle me elmo i believe it was christmas of 98 that was the cabbage patch doll of its generation you oh, couldn't sure. get this thing anywhere. I remember uh, in uh, uh, the airport out of Long Beach, they did a contest. It was radio promotion. Thousands of people called in. And if you were one of like 20 people who got that far, you got to go out to the airfield and they put a target on the ground and you're to stand around this target. And they dropped a Tickle Me Elmo from a parachute for you to run up and try to grab. Wow. That is just wrong. Oh, evil. <laughs> That's just taking evil. advantage of people's, uh, wow, that is something. The thing that, that surprised me about, uh, Tickle Me Elmo was that it even caught the toy manufacturers by surprise. Like right. they put out Tickle Me Elmo not thinking that it was going to become this huge thing. Right. Right. That, that's one of the things I remember that, and I can't remember who made Tickle Me Elmo. I don't, I don't remember the toy manufacturer. Right. But one of the things I do remember from back in those days was that seeing the story on television and where was the toy manufacturer being extremely happy and pleased, but also surprised because, you know, it's like one of those things. It became a, a game changer in the, in the toy realm and no one saw it coming. I'm pretty sure no one saw the Cabbage Patch dolls coming either. Transformers, I could see that, right. you know, having a slow burn because, right. you know, after He-Man and G.I. Joe and Transformers was sort of next up on deck as being this top toy line uh, to be launched, you know, I can see the expectations being really high for Transformers. Uh, right. But Tickle Me Elmo? I mean... Who knew? That was pretty left field. It was pretty. Yeah. Right. You know, I just remembered this. Um, Ron brought home a Tickle Me Elmo that had kind of been through the mill. And, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think it's still in pretty good shape. You know, I just remember this. Uh, I do remember it being a little heavier than I right. anticipated. But, uh, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, if, if Tickle Me Elmo could talk, it probably would be saying, wow. I was a star. I was the hottest toy. And now look at me. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh that's the interesting <laughs> thing. Well, you know, it kind of reminds me of there's that scene in the Planet of the Apes where uh, huh. uh Charlton Heston and Dr. Zayas are having the debate about man versus, you know, ape and everything. And they come across an artifact and it's a baby doll. And it's a baby doll that can speak. And Talton Heston is like, well, there's your proof right there. You know, humans at one time spoke. And I thought I always, the thing that always kills me about that scene is that, okay, 2000 years has passed at least. Right. And the doll still can say something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, Hey, that, like, you know, they, they don't make them like they used to. Yeah, you know, I said, I said, think about it. This doll survived the nuclear holocaust and everything, but it, 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 when you squeeze it, it still squeaks and says things, you know? Yeah. And I just thought that was like the funniest, funniest thing. I'm like, okay, well, I guess if it was buried somewhere and they dug it up, you know, I guess it would still work 2000 years later. I'm like, um, 
Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it up! Oh, damn you! God damn you! Christmas of 1988. I remember watching 2020. If you remember that with Barbara Walters. Oh, and yeah. Hugh, and, and Hugh Downs. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that one guy, who, he's a real jerk now, John Stossel. <laughs> I used to like John Stossel. I was a, a big fan of his. I like how he always would expose people for doing corrupt and terrible things. And I actually met Barbara Walters at Gimbel's. <laughs> oh, how about hey, that? Hey. Hey, bring it all full circle. Yeah, I think everybody yes. used to like uh, John Stossel. Uh, and he's the one that brought me the report. Uh, I think it was uh, first, second week into December. Uh, everyone lining up around the block. They had to get Mario 2. And I really wasn't interested in Mario 2. I, 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 I didn't care. Well, we had some gift certificates to Toys R Us. And right. uh, we're there for three hours. And I'm debating like which G.I. Joe toy I want to get. And my mom was like, dude, you got to have a Nintendo. <laughs> Do you want to look at games? And I remembered from the news, Mario 2 disappeared after Thanksgiving. It was gone. Wow. Back back then, Toys R Us had a system with their video games. They're, they're purchasing. The way they had it set up is where they would have the box up on the wall and a ticket below it. And you'd rip that ticket off and take it to a, a special register where they'd go in the back and get the game for you. Right. And I'm, you know, hamming and hawing over which one I want and da, da, da. And I take, my mom makes me take one last look at the Nintendo games. And I'm standing there and I see the Mario 2 has one ticket left. I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, should I, da, da, da. And right then a woman came up and was eyeballing the games and she saw that ticket. And she started making a dash for that ticket. The the last Mario 2 on earth. Oh no. And it wasn't that I wanted Mario 2. It's that I saw that somebody else really wanted Mario 2. Of course. And I damn near (laughs) slid in between her and snatched that ticket and ran to the register with it. Oh, I know you did. I know you did. Oh, that is so funny. You know, toys are interesting because, and you know, like the whole business of like uh, when we were at Retro Toy Con, for example, you know, I told you I saw, I think it was a Barbie dressed as Poison Ivy. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't that expensive. And it was still in the box. And I said to myself, well, I'm going to want to take it out of the box. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to, I didn't want to take it away from the person who may want it and collect it and hopefully go up in price and value. I didn't want to do that to a toy collector that actually might want it. And so how I, how I reconciled that in my mind, I decided to wait until the end of the convention. And if it was still there and no one wanted it, then it was mine. But then I forgot to even go and take a look. And oh. that was that. So oh. I probably just should have bought it when I saw it. But, you know, unlike you, I hesitated. And, you know, you just went in and got what you had to get. And that was that. Well, there, there you go, everybody. Uh, that's the magic of Best Saturdays podcast. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Or, or right, right. Decent person, degenerate. <laughs> I'm a grandparent now, and I just feel like it's Miles' turn to go through the toy crazy frenzy as well. Right. You know what I mean? Or it'll be Papa's turn, that's what Price calls me, to yep. go through 
what, Miles, you can't find something? Well, let me see if I can find it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, you're auxiliary. You're, you're, uh, you're, right. you're backup. Yeah, yeah, I'm backup just in case, you know? Yeah. So, but, so I guess, Dan, you and I need to be on the lookout for whatever, whatever the next toy frenzy is going to be. Cause you know, it has to happen. It seems to happen at least once in a decade. I miss being part of a tool. Y'all remember Aqua Tool? Prylock is dead to me. I'll never speak with him again. Sure you're up for this, Phoenix? I live on for 15 years, man. This thing, Aqua Teen, we're in this for life. No one just walks away. We're back. You're welcome. Here at Amazing, we're all one big happy family. So let's roll up our sleeves and get down to business, or you're dead. We got help. Form of a hot dog. Form into a freaking weed whacker. The crazy man. The crazier you look, the smarter Wall Street thinks you are. The f- do you want? Put on your foot cancer. I got me foot cancer. You ain't got no feet. Not anymore. Again they fall. Again they crawl. Again we fall. It's time to nip some plants in the bud. Oh, I hate doing yard work! Time for me to hit the hay! <laughs> Operation Master Shake and Bake. Just been over and pick it up. Aqua Teen Forever. Plantasm. Own it now on digital 4K and Blu-ray. interesting year uh, with, for, with for, some challenges for some of us for some yes of us. <laughs> for some of us but you know with with some challenges too i i have to admit but one of the things that i really appreciate is you know working with dan clink and Aww. and working on our podcast and and learning how to pivot when we have a um a panel yeah, because that's that seems to be you know so, there's always some last minute monkey wrench thrown in, and somehow somehow we we make it work we make it work and everyone is happy and pleased and it's really great. Um, so uh, I just want to wish everyone a wonderful holiday, whatever you're celebrating, and um, continue to watch for more best Saturdays. Hey, Mark, I love you too. You're, you're the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.